That's a plate for our tithes and offerings. We have boxes on the back wall. That's where we place our tithes and offerings. And uh, it's a part of our walk in the Lord, just that heart and desire that he gives for us. And we learn that in blessing we are blessed and in giving we really receive. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we learn that as we begin to give of what God has given to us. And we see him as our source of supply, not ourselves. He's our source. And so we're thankful for that. But a um, few announcements. You know what? Let's pray over it, though. We haven't done this for a while. Lord, we thank you for the giving here in this place, in this church family. Lord, just so good, so special. And um, we pray over those tithes and offerings that are given. Lord, and we know that in the spirit realm, you are the one that receives them from us. And we give them as unto you, Lord, our great high priest, our great high priest of high priests. And we thank you that you do supply all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You supply our needs. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Just a few announcements. There will be a fellowship meal today after the service, so we would invite you to stay for that. Uh, that would be great. Um, Carla and Scott Mandrell are preparing that for us. And then also, I just want to mention, there is a Truebridge men's retreat coming up on April 3 and 4. Uh, on the announcements we send out, there is a place that you can get online to see a word from the speaker that's going to be there. It's in, um, I think I said it's in War Road, but also you could speak to Pastor Dean if you're interested in going. If you don't, if you aren't receiving online, like through email, uh, the announcements and you'd like to, please get us that, your email, and we'll send it to you. Also, it can be found on our uh, web page uh, and the Facebook page for our church. Okay. We already mentioned the thing of uh, Sharon Johnson. That's Calvin and Steve's sister. She passed away this week. Uh, she knew the Lord. So we, she's one of those that we will be seeing again one day in heaven, as well as Pastor Don Emery. Uh, I was talking to my brother Tim. He was at Gold Pine. His wife Mabel is there too. She's dealing with, um, I guess, Alzheimer or dementia. And uh, But Tim said he just saw Don just a couple of days before he made that transition. He said he was Don. He was the way Don always kind of was. A very light-hearted, I don't know if jokester is the right word, maybe. I mean, he, he always had a quip or a quote. And I remember him, Joan, from back. I'm sure, Dave, you do too. And I'm talking about over 60 years ago we came to this church. That tells you how old we are. In fact, 62 years ago, I remember him up front. Better say how old you were. Then, <laughs> and then let them do the math. Let them do the math. <laughs> well, I was, well I, was, I was born in 51, and that was 58, so I was six, because I didn't turn seven till eight, so I was six years old. And... Uh, but I remember Mabel, his wife, was at the piano. She played the piano. I still remember the reverb she had on it way back then. And uh, I remember him teaching us 
I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. He sang that song. He taught us that song. That's where I learned that song. I always also remember one time when he, he had a pack of gum and he started, he put one stick in his mouth and he put another stick and, the, and he kept talking. His ideas was to see if he could get people to stop chewing gum in church, I guess, because he, by the time his mouth got so full that he could hardly talk, I don't know, you know, you're free to chew gum, by the way. I can, I can see some of you are. Maybe some of you will keep you awake a while, huh? Okay. <clears throat> no. And I see we made it with the time springing ahead, right? I hear there's some talk about changing that so that it, we don't go back next fall. Maybe we'll, we'll see about that. I always did like putting it back better than putting it ahead, I know that, but this way maybe we won't have to do either one. But also I was gonna mention this. Uh, last Sunday, if anyone was touched, well I know people were touched by the Lord. If you could just let one of our elders know about that, just, you know, the word says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, or the Lord did a work in your life or a healing or whatever. Talk to like Gus, raise your hand, Gus, and Pastor Dean over there, or myself, Kent, I see he's not here today, but one of us, or Joyce, or, you know, just... Uh, let us hear about that, and we'll be sharing maybe some more of those things too. Praise God. Well, we're going to talk about some things today that I believe you're going to find helpful. The message title might be Repentance is Turning to the Light of Life, and this is the second part of the one that I started a few weeks ago. Because of God's great love for us, he offers us the opportunity to turn from the things of darkness and the culture of death in this world toward his culture of light and life. Um, and we did talk a few weeks ago about the fact that repentance can be seen in kind of a negative way by people that grew up in legalistic religious atmospheres. And then we saw that repentance was turning away from things that would hurt us to the things that will help us and heal us. The Word of God says in Romans 2.4, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? And do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness, this is a different translation, the Passion Translation. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you to repentance? So that word repentance, what does it mean? Well, Strong's Concordance says to think differently or, to, or afterwards. In other words, to reconsider or repent. And repentance, from my Bible, there's a margin there where it says this, repentance is a decision that results in a change of mind, which in turn leads to a change of focus, direction, actions, and words. And our Heavenly Father, He wants to change our minds, our thoughts, our actions to the good, so that we're experiencing life abundantly. That's what his desire is. It says in Psalm 18:28, God, all at once you turned on a floodlight for me. You are the revelation light in my darkness, and in your brightness I can see the path ahead. It's through him, through his word. We have his word, the truth. Yesterday, I just felt I've got a bunch, a couple of recipe boxes full of recipe cards, but instead of recipe cards, I um, 
recipes that got scriptures on them. Yesterday I thought, well, I was studying on this stuff and I thought, well, I'm just going to pull one out and see what it is. And this is what it was. Psalm 18, 28. Well, it's the same one. How about that? I didn't even realize that. Isn't that something? <laughs> but this is from the Amplified Bible, so I didn't catch it that it was this. Isn't that something? <laughs> I mean, there's probably 200 recipe cards in there. And I pick out this. You know, I thought before I picked it out, I said, this is going to be interesting, isn't it, Lord? <laughs> anyway. So here it is in the Amplified. For you cause my lamp to be lighted and shine. The Lord my God illumines my darkness. He's the one that does it. Areas of our lives where there's dark rooms and things that have been harmful and hurtful. The Lord brings his light in there and then his love follows right in. You can put that picture up there, guys. And we had this picture a few weeks ago but it's walking in the light of God. You know, it's walking toward Jesus, in Jesus, in his light, in the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, sometimes in life we lose sight of the right path ahead that God has prepared for us. His light and revelation made possible to us through the cross of Jesus, it will illumine us. Illumine for us the pathway of life and love. And sometimes our Heavenly Father has to bring a course correction and bring us back into the right path. Did you, did you hear what I said? A course correction. And if we can yield to that, those corrections, you know, if we're thinking one way, if we're thinking one way, then he can lead us in the right way if we're going to get off track. And we can even be in the light yet, but we're starting to head toward the side where we're going to get in the darkness. And uh, I'll try it, Lord. <clears throat> There's an illustration that, to be honest with you, I'm going to start out saying it, and I do I've never given it before because I hadn't really thought of it before. Joyce and I have talked a little bit lately about when we were in Grand Rapids and some things that happened there and she's often kind of kiddingly talked about how long it took me to get with it or not that. That, that came all wrong. Uh, she, I should have left the other chair up here so you could help me explain this. Uh, oops, there goes my card. I'm getting all shook up here now. <clears throat> no. I think I maybe got part of it, though. That's what I'm going to try to explain. But, okay, here we were in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay, we had dated just, the, maybe we had one or two dates at the end of my junior year, I think it was, at Northwestern. And, and then, you know, we got to know each other. Joyce, had, the first time we were in a cell group together, it was a small group. The Lord put it in her heart that I was the guy she was going to marry. She was very wise not to tell me that right then because I had this independent thing. I wasn't going to get married until I was good and ready to get married. I mean, that's kind of, does that seem kind of weird? Maybe not to the guys, but that, that's how I was thinking. You know, I just, you know, I wouldn't have been ready then for sure. But okay, that thought kind of continued over into when we moved to Grand Rapids, or Joyce then. We, we had just a couple dates, and then she goes to Grand Rapids. You know, I mean, she told me she's going to go transfer to Grand Rapids, Michigan, not Minnesota, but to Michigan, which is like probably 800 miles from the school I was at. And 
Figured, well, but we did pray together. We sat on the steps of Dykstra Hall and we gave our relationship over to the Lord because I was beginning to definitely have an interest at that time in this young lady, this beautiful young lady. But then she says, I'm moving, you know, I'm, or I'm going to go, I'm going 800 miles away. That sounds like a Hallmark movie kind of, doesn't it? <laughs> but anyway, she did, and then I had one more year of school, and the Lord ended up having me join a volunteer program with our church, with the denomination we grew up in. And so... I could have been placed anywhere in the world, but they placed me in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at the Other Way Youth Center. And Joyce was right there in that city too, finishing up her schooling. And then we stayed one more year. I worked in a high school as an auxiliary control person, they called it. It was a, uh, and uh, if there were problems in the school, that's where the guys that were on staff with me, we would go there and we'd work with the situations and so forth. But then we were getting toward this time of the year. In fact, it was really this time of the year. It was right about now, now that I think about it. And Joyce was a senior and she was looking at where she would be going. You know, these are crossroads in our lives, you know, where are you going to go? Where's the path? You know, which path are we going to take? And I was a Christian, I was a believer, you know, I believe that God's grace is there even many times before we're believers, you know, he helps us, but yet he, he as we grow in the Lord, he has more, he gives us more responsibility and listening to him, and yielding to him, to be in his word, to listen, to let him deal with things in our lives that would keep us from walking that pathway of life that he has for us, the pathway of love. And for me, I think there were things of, maybe you would call it selfish pride, you know, in my thinking, in my way, I want to do it my way regardless of what God would think and so forth, and even in marriage, you know, thinking of that. I don't know if you're going to understand this or not, but I'm going to share it anyway, because I believe the Lord wants me to. But I just wasn't really there yet. I know some of you guys can identify with me, because I know you, and I know you well enough, and I've seen you even through those times in your life that I'm not the only one like this, a guy. But here Joyce ends up getting a job offer from my hometown in Volga, South Dakota, where my family lived. And she told me, she was, did you tell me that before we talked about getting married? Yeah. Some of us need a little extra help with things, and that was it. But see, the Lord was working in me, a thing of yielding of my life and myself, and my, I would say, foolish pride, selfish pride, foolish pride, because there were some things that I was doing there that I thought in my head that I should continue doing, and it wasn't that I was thinking that it was time to get married. And I was starting to walk off of the white path, the light path, I mean, the light path. And I was still in the light, but I was starting to go, I could have gone off there, but I got in the word, extra. You know, here Joyce had gotten the word that she got the job in Volga to be a school teacher. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? 
I still remember the night that I was going to go over and talk to her about getting married. I mean, I, mean I, I didn't want her to leave, but she was going back there, and I knew she knew that she was supposed to go there. And I certainly wasn't going to tell her not to, but I certainly didn't want to stay there in Grand Rapids without Joyce. She already moved once, and the Lord got me over there to where she was. Lamar Park is where it was in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Did you know there's a Lamar Park in Grand Rapids, Michigan? I remember walking back and forth before I went there. And you know the Lord, as you seek him, you will find him when you search for him with all your heart, when you search for him through his word. And you know what else? Colossians 3, what is it, 15 or 16? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And I walked around Lamar Park, just seeking the Lord about this. Should I ask her to marry me? Should we become, come to that place of engagement? And you know, in Lamar Park there, on that, I think it was March 11, nineteen seventy five I got that peace. I got the peace. This is what I was to do. Peace goes with that path. When we're on that path we're gonna have the peace. If we get start going out of it, then we're gonna lose that peace. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And he brings that peace. And he confirms it in us. He bears witness, it says in Romans, he bears witness with our spirits. And that's what he did. He bore, he bore witness with our spirit. And he bore witness with my spirit. And I know it was the right path. We determined to get, we decided to get married. I don't know if it was that night, but I think so, maybe in October of that same year. And I'm so thankful, you know. I'm so thankful. But do you know what? The Lord can help you and he can guide you with your things that you have today. Maybe it is something with getting married. Maybe it's something less consequential in your life. Uh, but there's a lot of things in life, but it's all the way from who we should marry to just everything. That's what we've come to, to see is, and the thing is that too now as husband and wife, we can, there can be confirmation or a close, trusted friend you could have that with, I suppose, too. I know you can, but between the two of you as husband and wife seeking the Lord, there's great confirmation of being on the right path and decisions, decisions about things in your life. And he will do that. And he wants to lead you on that right path, but he'll also correct you. Do we have that photo of the mother? Let's put the, the mother up there. You know, our heavenly, with the child, our, our heavenly father, he would, he would have us repent or turn. See, that's what I really did. I turned from the way I was going. I wanted to be independent. I didn't want to get married. I had my own stuff I was going to do. And I, tur I turned, I made a correction at that point. And it led me on the right path. Because God knew. He knew way ahead. He knew what would be coming forth. But he does that. And that's called repentance. It's turning. It's changing your mind. And it's turning from things that wouldn't be good for you to things that would be good. It's just like a loving parent. When they have to show their child what to do or what not to do. 
Um, it's just like a parent knows what is good for their child and, do, and knows what isn't good for them and establishes lines for them not to cross over. And parents know that their children will get hurt if they walk outside of those right ways. And so they'll tell them, they'll explain to them not to walk outside those lines, the lines that they have established for them to follow. Let's go back to the cross picture again. And if we walk in the light of what we know from God's word, we'll not be walking in darkness anymore and get hurt. And when the light of God's word, God's truth shines upon our thoughts, our words, our actions, upon our life, revealing that we are out of bounds, we then have a decision to make. A defining moment lies before us. Will we continue to walk outside of what we now have seen as the truth and suffer the miserable consequences of it? Or will we turn back to the way of life and begin to experience the joys of walking in the light? The question is, will we repent when we see the light? Will we turn to the right way when we see the truth? Will we make changes when we see where we have missed it? If we do, we will walk again in the path of light, which brings us love and life. And our fellowship with God and with one another will be affected in a very positive way. The very atmosphere in our homes will show it. The very culture in our homes will be affected by if we're walking in the light. See here again, walking in that path of light is a path of love. It's thinking of the other person first, not yourself. That will affect the atmosphere in our home. 1 John 5, 7 says, living in the light, it's, this is the message we have heard from Jesus and now declare it to you. God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing, say that word, practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we will have fellowship with each other, and that's with us and God, but then also it'll be with each other on this earth. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin. It's like a continual thing. He continuously cleanses us because we all have areas where we miss it regularly. And when we're walking in light, we're going to be living in God's love. That is walking in the light. Living in God's joy is walking in the light. Living in God's peace is walking in the light. And we must turn from the enemy's prison. We have a spiritual enemy, the devil. We must turn from his prison of darkness and switch over to the freedom of God's abundant life. And when we turn to God, that's repenting, turning. We will come to know and experience his unconditional love personally for ourselves. He doesn't condition his love on you do this first and then I will love you. No, no, no. He doesn't do that. He doesn't love and receive us because we've earned it. Because he loves us. Now I'm going to read the story of the prodigal son this morning. And I'm going to do it from Luke 15, starting at verse 11. And we have some photos. And you can put that first one up there, guys. <clears throat> And this is titled The Loving Father, and sometimes it's called The Prodigal Son, or sometimes it's called The Two Sons. 
But this is something that Jesus said. He said, then Jesus said, and this is from the Passion Translation also, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? And actually in the light of the Middle Eastern culture of that day, it was a great offense for a son to ask his father for his inheritance before he died. It would be the equivalent of saying, I wish you were already dead. So the father, he went ahead and he distributed among the two sons their inheritance. The Greek literally there says, he gave them his life. And shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and he traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry. And there was a severe famine in the land. Let's get that next one up. Let me know when you got it up there. Okay. <clears throat> so he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him to feed the pigs. The son was so famished and he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing. You see, he came to a realization. There was revelation. And that's what we all need in our lives. When we've gone, gotten off the path, when we're not on the right path, or maybe we've never been on the right path before, we need our eyes to be opened to see. That's revelation, that's revealing of what we couldn't see before. It's like the song, Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see. And it's a thing that's done with our spiritual sight. We can see spiritually and know something. Well, that's what happened with him. Humiliated, the son finally realized what, was, what he was doing, and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare, and they lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house. I will say to him, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. Let's get the next picture and give me that signal again when you got her. Okay. You see, there's the father, the first guy running. You just see that look on his face. You just think of this as your father, God, as an illustration. Because this is what Jesus was really talking about, our father, God. And it says, so the young son set out for home from a long distance away, and his father saw him coming, and he was dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his father's heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. And this is how it is with our father God. And this is how it is for you if you have never embraced him or received him before. But maybe you've strayed off of the path in some way or another. And the thing is, we can easily, our enemy will try to get us into condemnation and guilt and get us under that cloud and think, I will no longer or I will never be able to be called your son again or your daughter. But just can I just be your employee or whatever, just so I can eat food? And then, well, we, we see what happened here. 
Erased, it uses the word here, he raced. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed in these bigger clothes, with great compassion, swelling up in his heart for his son. Jesus told us this about his heavenly father, his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. Let's get that next picture. Give me a thumbs up again. So he swept him in his arms and he hugged him dearly and he kissed him over and over with tender love. And you just think of this with your heavenly father, even if you have missed it, even if you have gotten off track, even if you feel so unworthy, maybe you feel totally unworthy. He wants to sweep you up in his arms this morning. He, see, he says, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He says, come, I want to help you. I want to make you free from that fear. I want to make you free from that thing that's hurting you, that habit or that whatever it is. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. That's as far as he got. The father interrupted and said, Son, You are home now. And that's what he wants us to hear this morning. He wants you to hear. You come to him, not because you're worthy, not because you deserve it or I deserve it, In our lives, maybe we've really missed it and messed up in some area. Or maybe we've just felt abandoned through things in this life. Maybe it's just the slop of this world that just slopped all over us and got us under the circumstances. He's saying, come home. Come home. Come home. Come home to me. I will help you. I want to help you. The father interrupted and said, son, you're home now. And turning to his servant, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe. So he was in beggar's clothes. My very own robe. Bring it and I'll place it on his shoulders. And bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And culturally, this ring was an emblem of authority, giving the son authority to transact business in his father's name. And it was a sign, it's a sign too for us of the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And bring out my best shoes that you can find for my son. Because he didn't have shoes. Servants in those days, they didn't have shoes. Bring out the best shoes that you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Now the older son, here's the other son, was out working in the field with his brother when when his brother returned. 
And as he approached the house, he heard the music and the celebrating and the dancing. So he called over one of the servants and asked, What's going on? The servant replied, It's your younger brother. He's returned home, and your father is throwing a party to celebrate his homecoming. Give me the thumbs up when you got that next one up there. Okay. So the older brother became angry. And you see where the older brother needs to get on the love path, on the light path. He got off. He was there with the father all the time, but he probably in slow increments he got off the path of love. The older son became angry and refused to go in and celebrate. So his father came out and pleaded with him. His father came out to him. Come and enjoy the feast with us. The son said, Father, listen. How many years have I been working here like a slave for you, performing every duty that you've asked as a faithful son? See, what had happened there with this son who was there with the father, he felt he was earning something. The other son knew that he couldn't earn anything. I mean, he was worthless in his own eyes. That's how he saw it. But he came to see what... And this is our Father God. You're remembering that, right? This is our Father God toward you and toward me. But this guy, this other brother, he was trying to say, how come, well, let's keep reading. <laughs> but you see here, the older brother, he believed in earning favor from his father. He needed the revelation, he needed the blinders to come off about what grace is, unmerited favor and blessing and love and all this. Just like the other brother needed to learn the lesson of grace as well, that it's not by what I do, but it's by what you've done for me. And now my part is just to give myself to you and yield myself and receive from you. The, young, the older son went on, he says, I've never once disobeyed you. I wonder if that was accurate. You know, the thing of Jesus said, it's not just in action, but it's in thought. But you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you give, even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living, and here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate for him. And the father said, My son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Well, maybe there's some areas this morning where you're coming from the standpoint of the prodigal son who wasted everything and who was off and knew that he was a mess. Maybe you're more on the other end that you're thinking the way the other son was. For each of us, it's an opportunity this morning to yield ourselves to the Lord. Every one of us here. The thing that happens a lot of times with something like this is we think of somebody else and we think, oh, I sure hope he's hearing that this morning. Or I sure hope she's hearing this this morning. I sure hope Joyce is hearing this this morning. <laughs> no, 
let's listen for ourselves. But this son, the father says, my son, you are always here by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Did you know that God wants you to enjoy life? Do you want your kids to enjoy life? How about your grandkids? You want them to enjoy life? We sure do. Multiply that by how many times would it be our Heavenly Father? Father went on, it's only right to celebrate like this and be overjoyed because this brother of yours was once dead and gone, but now he's alive and back with us again. He was lost, but now he is found. He is found. Praise God. You could put photo six up there again as we close. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Why did the father say that he was, his son was dead? Well, dead to him in relationship, in fellowship, I guess would be a good word. He still was his father, and, but he was dead as far as fellowship was concerned. And you know, our Father God this morning, he's wanting to have close fellowship with us. And you know, prayer isn't just talking to God. It's listening to him too. And one of the primary ways, of course, to do that is through his word, because everything in here is the truth. This is the truth. He talks to us. He walks with us, and he talks with us. And he tells us we are his own. And he wants to bring joy. So let's just look to him together in prayer this morning. Lord, we would receive of your life we would get reconnected with you, or maybe for some it's the first time. And we say, Lord, forgive us where we've missed it. Forgive us where we've missed it. We know in ourselves we are unworthy, but we know that coming to you, it's unconditional. And we receive your love this morning. We receive your life. We get reconnected in fellowship with you, Lord. Reconnected with your love. Reconnected with your joy. Reconnected with your peace. Reconnected with your people. Reconnected with our husband or wife, reconnected in fellowship, close sharing, exchange and partnership with our husbands and wives, with our children, with our grandchildren, and even, well, church family. This church family, is for that is what we are a family where there have been broken relationships Lord we thank you that you bring restoration that you will restore we just receive that now in the name of Jesus where we have felt brokenness in our walk with you Lord maybe the enemy has told us false things about you or lied to us about you Lord our Father this son evidently didn't have a clear idea of who you, who his father was in this story. But Lord, we can see through this story who you truly are toward us and how you love us. And so we receive that now.
In Jesus' name, your love. We just give ourselves to you. Yield ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, we do this. And we're so thankful. We're thankful. Just sing with me, see if we can get amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. blind but now I see oh we see and we walk in the light of what we see let's put that cross back up there again as we go hallelujah thank you Lord if there's anyone that would like to have more prayer we'll have altar ministers up in the front here that will pray can pray with you. I want to remind you there is also a meal today that Carla and Scott have been working on, a great meal. And uh, so we invite you to stay. And you're not in fear about the corona, 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 is that how you say it? You're not in fear, are you? Because we're not going to be that. We're not going to be in fear about Corona. Don't have to be afraid. Not in Christ Jesus. We we aren't going to be in afraid, in fear. We're going to pray. We're not going to panic. We're going to pray. Amen. Be wise, wash your hands, 20 seconds. <laughs> Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Sing that song we just sang this morning, and that's 20 seconds. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you all. <laughs>